0: Your spiritual training has come a long way.
1: Unalak may be a horrible person, but his spirit powers are no joke.
2: He taught you how to transform dark spirits. I can't even get you into the spirit world.
1: Everything Unalak taught me was to help himself. Everything you've done was meant to help me. I am so sorry for turning my back on you as my mentor.
2: I need you now more than ever. I won't let you down.
3: Welcome back to the Bitter Jurors Podcast. My name is Sam Stanish. We are here. We are, uh, we are the Queer Legends of Korra fan Podcast. We're here today to talk book two, chapter nine of Legend of Korra. It has an episode title, um, and someone who I'm sure knows that episode title is, uh, he, he's, a, he's just once a triple threat, always a triple threat, they're grinding. <laughs>
0: Yes, I will be your guide on the episode title, which is The Guide.
3: <laughs> right. Um, and I will, you know, <laughs> undercutting my intro for our guest today, she is our guide into the spirit world, Rachel Hobbs.
1: Hello, thank you again so much for having me. Of course, thank you for it's, being It's great here. to be here. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Always good to have you until we ultimately uh, plant evidence in your closet and escort you off of the podcast currencies.
1: Yes, until you ultimately frame me for a crime <laughs> I did not commit.
0: Mm-hmm, which will happen, but um, not yet. First, we gotta talk about these, uh, what I thought was a pretty nice episode. Um, Sam seemed surprised when he texted me earlier. He's like, am I liking this episode? And okay, yeah, well, I, like this I just
3: feel. <laughs> I just feel like my entire impression of book two, ever is that like it was not good but now i'm coming to find out that there are good episodes of it and you know (laughs) i i'm coming around on it i really enjoyed this one thought it was the best one so far and can't wait to see what the rest of the season has to offer
1: yes i agree also i feel like um because I've been re-watching a lot of Avatar slash re-listening to a podcast about it. Basically the same thing. <laughs> but um, I feel like, especially Lodzhen, of course, season two and season one, they seem to be a lot more connected in the storylines. Like, consequences from the first episode will carry over. And so I feel like it's nice. Season is not that bad. I'm a season two apologist. <laughs>
0: Um, we need that energy on here. Um, I I I think everything before beginnings, especially the episode right before beginnings, is like pretty terrible. Um, <laughs> there's been like glimpses here and there. I'm like, yeah, there's like the bones of something that could be good. And I feel like the bones are starting to appear here yeah. in this episode. Where I don't know. I I still can't really uh, stomach the whole like Mako conspiracy theory storyline like it just does nothing for me um but I I like where Cora's at now I like that she's joined in with other characters finally um and I'm excited for the rest of the season
1: yeah I can't really stomach that Mako is a cop which (laughs) I'm (laughs) sure we've all lamented about enough but
3: Mm -hmm.
1: it's upsetting to say the least
3: (laughs) yeah and it's like even in this episode where he was offered a different job he didn't even take it he just wants to be a cop (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah he actively chose to do that which is um an interesting decision um i don't know what it is with fictional characters like with no like skills or desires that line up with like police um acti- like wanting to be in the police force like joining them because i think it's just like a generic good guy thing <laughs> according to um people of a certain age i guess
3: yeah, I feel like people are really into cop characters uh, in their fiction just because it provides them with easy access to, like, weaponry and, like, uh, <laughs> what's the word? Just, like, eth- the ethical pr- appeal or whatever, where it's, like, this guy's a cop, so, like, he, he has access to these things or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just, I feel like it's an easy hand wave or whatever. But it's, like... W- it- You know, I feel like this would not have been the choice they made if uh, this was made 10 years later. I don't think that we would be having this Mako cop storyline, especially because there was already a main character who was a cop who, you know, (laughs) once again has like a very minor appearance on this episode. (laughs) Like, like, (laughs) Lynn was like one of the leads of season one. Like she was like in the story so much more than like Bolin or like Asami. And now she's like in less than half the episodes.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, and it's also, like, sorry, but I think um, it's, like, I feel like a lot of stories make a cop character because it's it's placed in real life, and in real life, like, there can't be heroes, because superheroes don't exist, but in the Avatar universe, where, like, he's, Mako's literally a firebender, like, he is, could be a superhero, and he is just a cop, Uh, Mm -hmm. it's just very depressing
0: it is and like there's like yeah like all the things that happened to him like could have happened anyway without the cop part of it like he just like could have been like at the fucking rally or whatever it was when the bombs exploded and saw it happen like there's like he still could get framed for doing this crime or whatever but it's like there's no reason for him to be a cop other than they just like literally have no idea what to do with his character
3: it's almost even a better storyline i mean definitely if he's not a cop because then he would take this evidence to the police force and then they're like this is nothing like we don't believe you and it's like he has to do it on his own without the backing of any like cop stuff plus then like i feel like him going to the triple threats would be like more fun or whatever since he's like not a cop but that's not what happened so it's fine
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah when you start dwelling on that aspect of it um but meanwhile, um, Cora shows up um, and joins the, like, sort of airbender uh, vacation thingy going on here. My thing with this story, though, is, like, I find it really hard to believe that Tenzin was, like, please no one give me any news of any kind whatsoever. <laughs> like, yeah. That was a little, I don't know. It, I, it just gave them an excuse to have that little um, scene of Cora like, explaining all the insane things that have happened you know which is funny but it's also like he was there for like half of it like he was there up until the point that like unalak i don't know like so he only missed like a few things but i don't know i just think it's very funny that tenzin of all people especially was like yeah please just if there's any literally like world shattering news just don't give it to me please
1: yeah he said he literally was like i knew Unalak was power hungry, and I was like, What do you mean you knew? And you didn't like, (laughs) you didn't think to mention it to Korra to be like, Hey, your uncle might be evil. (laughs) Like, he just kind of dipped out and continued on his vacation. And then, uh, um, almost immediately after the civil war started, and (laughs) he was just unaware.
3: Was there like a break in the episodes airing or something between this and the previous? Because it felt like both. Or, like, all three of the storylines had, like, retreads of what had happened up to this point or whatever. Uh, they were, like, when Asami and Bolin met up and Mako met up, like, there was so much, like, they broke up. And then they got back together. And then Cora had this whole scene where she explained everything that was going on. i <laughs> just, like, why I'm did we to, need this?
0: I'm trying to remember. I'm going to look it up right now. Um, but I'm pretty sure there was a break. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so what happened was um hold on it like shifted time slots which is i guess like a thing um hmm, it looks like the finale was separate i don't know maybe i just misremember it maybe they felt like it was like forever between the episodes but i swear um there were like big breaks between stuff i don't know almost like steven universe-esque like drops but i'm probably just making it up
1: well
3: <laughs> i'm not so, sure No,
1: you may be right or i don't know because the like the beginnings when you look at like the season the beginnings episodes with avatar Mm one are kind of the midway point so it wouldn't be unsurprising if there was even a small hiatus because typically in animation there is sometimes a break in between like the midpoint in the seasons Mm -hmm. um Uh, i quite (laughs) truthfully i'm new because i also did watch it like when it was airing i feel like there was a break but yeah okay.
0: i have the wikipedia the answer is here the (laughs) the beginnings episodes aired on October 18th of 2013 which is terrifying to think about it's been almost 10 years now um and then uh this episode that we just watched was in November 1st so at least like a two-week gap between
3: these um yeah don't know why but that's just that's what happened (laughs) I mean yeah but that's not like long enough that I feel like they would be like we need to write this. In. So it was just, I guess, just a strange coincidence. Um, yeah. I know I'm in my cinema sins era when it comes to travel times in this season, but I mean, <laughs> it's egregious in this episode specifically. Just it's, but okay. Here, here's what we know. Um, Bo Lind said it's been a week since Cora left Republic City. <laughs> And at the same time, I guess in that week, she has gone almost all the way to the Fire Nation by boat, and then she was attacked by Eska and Desna, and then she was on the Fire Island. And while she was, and like before she even washed up on the beach in the Fire Island, the twins Eska and Desna had already made it back to the South Pole. Korra has the whole thing on, with the Fire Priestesses in her ancient memories, and then she gets on a Sky Bison and then flies all the way from the Fire Nation to the Eastern Air Temple. All And that's all in a week. And I'm just like, <laughs> it, was it?
0: Yeah, it can't have been, but also I love that you're calling it uh, Fire Island is where Korra
3: is. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, well, I we don't learn swim. anything
3: about that place! We don't know anything,
0: so I don't know <laughs> what else to we call well it. Be, it might as well be real-life Fire Island, then, is what you're saying. It's, we, was, so, it no not, all.
1: was it not the same island that Aang visited in Winter Solstice, where there was, like, that whole temple? I don't I think it could multiple? be because
3: Roku went volcanic on that mof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i feel like i don't know that's what i thought too maybe i we're just
0: assuming that like all spiritual fire nation people just like chill on this crescent moon shaped island Mm -hmm. and maybe you know they they just built on top of the bones of their
3: fallen brethren who knows oh Um, i mean if it was a crescent moon shaped thing i'm sure it was plus we know that the place that ang went um was like really far on the outskirts of the fire nation and close to where the Earth nation is so that would make sense yeah yeah um but now there's
0: ladies here instead of boys all the boys got melted in lava i guess um and now it's just the ladies on fire island (laughs) (laughs) the ladies uh, of
2: fire island
0: (laughs) (laughs) um yeah i agree like he could have at least said like a month like, give us some leeway to also, like, believably think that he's, like, been filming this, like, Nuktuq stuff for, like, he's, like, a veteran now at this point. Not, like, I don't know, I feel like when you're, like, oh, they left, like, a week ago, you're talking about, like, it's usually, like, maybe, like, five or six days, like, not actually a full week ago. um So, he's, they've been up to this for, like, 72 hours, maybe, then, like, all this has transpired, which I, I agree, yeah. it seems a little silly, but whatever.
3: Well, okay, but also just the turnaround time on Mako and Asami getting back together is it just, like, is so, so, so much worse now. Like, because (laughs) the the sting would have happened, like, two or three days ago, which means that he and Korra had been broken up for, like, 48 hours when they broke up. Like, that's so awful. That's so terrible.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say, to be fair, like... I maybe it was because Mako and Asami didn't really have a true end. he kind of just jumped from Asami to Korra Mm -hmm. in the last or in the first season and then but I I do like you are right and then there was some stretch of time between the end of season one and season two that Mako and Korra were in a exclusive relationship like a serious relationship and then they (laughs) break up and then almost immediately after he just makes out with his ex-girlfriend
0: yeah which is weird because he like did not seem into it when she kissed him at the end of the sting so i don't understand like why this is happening i don't know i think he's just like a serial monogamist, i guess but also a really unfaithful one
3: that's a good point there was like that super weird moment at the end of the sting where like it seemed like they weren't back together but now we've moved past that and they actually are <laughs>
0: yes <laughs> we moved past any sort of conflict that may have been in mako's brain at that moment or asami who seemed like she genuinely was like this is just a heat of the moment thing we just don't need to talk about that one day that that was i guess apparently according to the timeline um
1: yeah asami was fully horny for mako <laughs> in this episode so much so i was a little uncomfortable yeah i was like all right keep it in all... your pants Asami. it's not <laughs> He was, like, genuinely concerned for future industries. And she was, like, okay, but, like, <laughs> doing got for dinner or something like yeah, that? Yeah,
0: literally this, like, mm-hmm. horrible thing that has, like, been, like, the source of her anxiety for the past however long. And now Mako's back in her life and she's ready to just, you know, jump back on. It's, like, girl,
3: stand up, girl. <laughs> we need you to stand up. Yeah,
1: yeah she's no video... longer a girl boss. Mm-mm.
3: It was bad. They were just like they were trying to hide it, supposedly. It but like meanwhile, they're like touching each other's chests in front of bolin It's like, <laughs> yes. what, what? How did you figure it out? Uh yeah. Um but, but, let's let's uh, start at the beginning with something yeah. a little bit better. We're jumping around. Um, we are. This I'm so, so happy that Genora is like entering the stage, like This is where, I mean, this, she really, none of the Air Kids have been like main characters at all up to this point. So this reveal that she has this connection to the spirit world, um, starting at the beginning of the episode where she's playing with, like it's clear that they're spirits but we get this like back and forth where she's the only one who can see it and we see it's kind of like uh cbs's ghosts where they do all these shots where only junora is seeing it and all the spirits are there but then we see it from Tenzin's point of view and she's just like jumping around Mm, it is just like cbs ghosts it really is (laughs) Um,
0: yeah i i love these little bunny i think they're dragonfly bunny spirits is what they're called um Indeed. Lots of hyphens, um, but so adorable. I agree with uh, Milo and Iki here who just, like, chase them down and want to, uh, uh, like, pet them, I guess. I don't know. But they're very cute. Um, and also Milo, like, banging the bell later. The airbender kids, I think, are, like, as always, like, the stars of this episode.
1: Yes, I fully agree. Also, <laughs> it's nice because I don't know if we've ever seen this kind of relationship with, spirit, like, a very casual relationship with the spirits because mm-hmm. it's usually just been like we had the koi fish and avatar and then like hey Bai who is very angry for many for reasonable reasons <laughs> but like the spirits were more so like little plot devices or they were like the main part of that story but never addressed again but like you know we see these little guys for a while and i really appreciate it they're just mm-hmm. like new little spirit sidekicks
0: they're like little pokemon yeah little cuties yeah i and then boomy like instantly attaches to one i love how much boomy and kaya we get in this episode too Mm -hmm. um i love that boomy you know befriends a bunny and i love that kaya is like clearly again a stoner like they go for the whole like too much smoke joke with her which is is, it's good you know (laughs) didn't Uh, even pick up on that but you're right (laughs) Um, yeah, I, so we get this, like, well, Cora shows up, like we said, she explains the situation. She's like, Tenzin, we gotta go into the spirit world. Um, and Tenzin's whole journey in this episode is that he wants to have, like, be her spiritual guide, I guess. Um, because I guess being, like, literally the only, like, airbending master on the planet isn't enough for this man. He also needs to be, like, (laughs) Mr. Spirit Man as well, um.
3: I get it, though, because yep. it, it it is the first day that they're seeing each other after he just, well, she, like, cut him off as her her teacher. And so mm-hmm. I think that especially since this is, like, the immediate thing that she needs to do, and he is supposedly supposed to be this spiritual guy, like, I can see where he's sort of, like, I need to do this for her. I, I really love that we're back to getting Cora and Tenzin working together. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was a big part of what made me love this episode
1: yeah i agree well also this season i feel like because we saw i think it was episode four when we were they were touching on like the family dynamics of Aang's family and how like boomy and kaya didn't get as much love supposedly not supposedly but um (laughs) (laughs) they were lying obviously (laughs) but how like boomy and kaya probably didn't get as much attention from Aang because neither of them were airbenders and tenzin was like the favorite child but and so it kind of like has our expectations wavering for Aang because we think he's going to be like this perfect father because we knew him as like the perfect avatar and then in this episode Tenzin is trying to make himself to be like the perfect airbending master and mentor and like he's really struggling with not being that because he you know as we find out can't even get into the spirit world so i like it it's very humanizing of like these huge uh powerhouse airbenders
0: hmm Agreed. Um, and I like you said, Sam, it's almost or it like makes a lot of sense that like okay, after cora's whole deal with me is that I she just does not want to learn from me ever and I'm the worst teacher ever. Here's my chance to prove to her that I am like so, like, so useful to her, and he's just like fucking up completely. It's just a lot of different reasons why Poor Tenzin just wants to succeed here. Um, but like you said, I love that it's actually Janora's time to shine. Um she's a little queen. Um I feel like we've Um, gotten good hints of her character. Uh, at least in book one, a little quieter here in book two. But um, I'm glad that yeah, like you said, she gets to show up and be Aang's true legacy.
1: Yeah, fuck you, Tenzin. Fuck you. Move over. Really getting new (laughs) generation coming
0: through. (laughs) Um, but yeah, we learned that that's kind of. Or we learned that that's why she was like really drawn to that weird statue of Avatar Wan and um, Rava, which gotta say, props to whoever carved that, because it was like very accurate to what we saw. Um, It must have happened like right after, like, which, you know, gotta wonder how um, like conceited these avatars were, if it was like at the instant he was like gone or like even a little bit like established as a person in the world. He's like, okay, statue time. Let's start, let's start building
1: it. I know who is making these statues like was it the air nomads from the beginning and they were like all right make a new statue of our bestie let's do it
3: yeah you almost would have wanted to see in the beginnings episode like the people who are on the air turtle like make statues of their spiritual leaders or something so that we would have a backing for that exactly well too bad there's
0: only so much they can do in 44 minutes i guess um but the, yeah, that's like like we keep saying. That's what the ten million spinoffs that we're gonna get are gonna be for. We're just gonna see
3: every minute detail like that, and that's what we need. I actually just saw a um, TikTok today about Avatar Studios and how <laughs> they announced it, and everybody was really excited about it. And then we haven't heard anything about it in like a year, and it's just sort of like, well, are you guys gonna make <laughs> something new?
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm 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 curious what's going on over there. Like nary a concept art has made an appearance from them.
1: Oh, they got a no. podcast.
3: Yeah. <laughs> True. But and I like they I remember them announcing that they were working on a full-length feature with it and then that was my impression of what's happened since
0: <laughs> is that they have announced that there might be a film on its way. <laughs> great Uh, um yeah so we get this whole we get this like sort of montage of like all the ways in which they try to enter the spirit world we get some meditation we get some bell ringing we get some um spoken some like incense um and and then like
3: mm -hmm. i love the bell ringing just i because like (laughs) but they it goes on for so long at of like non-good like frequency or not, like, just like he does it off beat pretty much every single time just, where you're like maybe he's like supposed to be doing it that way and then, and then <laughs> just, like he literally can't do it
0: oh i think i'm with Cora. i think his bell ringing was beautiful
1: yeah i thought it was quite lovely very serene mm-hmm. i didn't it was personally fine, like though. the flute or whatever that was the horn <laughs> yeah, the
0: that big right old horn uh, Iki couldn't even be bothered to like blow into she's just like bending the air t- which i totally appreciate <laughs> um but so then we get that one the incense and he um we then get to this uh sort of scene where uh janora's being very coy about being friends with these invisible rabbits which i totally understand you know if you're seeing rabbits no one else can see i understand being like eh, should i tell people about this but i feel like in like avatar world especially when like spirits are a known thing i i don't know i would W- wish that she would feel more comfortable saying out loud that she's seen flying uh, bunny spirits. But maybe they're just, like, really nervous.
3: I see yeah, where she's coming guess... from, though. Other, avid, other spirits we've seen so far have all been visible to everybody, and so if she's mm. the only one seeing these things, it's sort of like, am I going crazy? <laughs>
1: yeah, and it's also like, we haven't really seen many spirits as of yeah. late. Like They aren't, like, living together with the humans. Um, because, you know, the spirit world still exists and all that stuff and everything's pretty separate. So I feel like when you do see a spirit, it's like, hmm, what's this? <laughs> oh,
0: what's their tea? Yeah.
1: <laughs> Not quite sure what you want.
0: <laughs> but they're just like benevolent little buddies. They just like really want Cora to go to this like Stonehenge situation down here. Um, which, oh, I don't think we mentioned that they're at the, at the Eastern Temple, now they were at the Southern Air Temple. Mm-hmm. Now they're in the East, um, which, you know, it's a cute place. That's where we met Guru Patik, as Tenzin says. Um, I, I I really would love to see the Western Air Temple to see if it's unexploded. I don't know, last time you saw it, Sparky Sparky Boom Man kind of like went nuclear. So I don't know, I would. I'm really curious to know if Western Air Temple is still hanging out over there.
1: Yeah, or like if the people are still at the Northern Air Temple. Like, who's, oh. are they still living there?
0: That's true. Yeah, I'm sad. I don't know. I'm sure the comics probably have gotten into it. And if not, they need to. Because inquiring minds are clearly uh, inquiring about that. Um, One of yes, the most so
3: inquiring t- minds in the world. <laughs> yes, we are.
0: Um, so we get this uh, down to this little... I kept thinking it was like a Breath of the Wild sort of situation. You know, like lots of greenery um stone statues um but then uh tenzin knows this weird cleansing ritual that aang taught him apparently which again like who taught ang this i really (laughs) want to know like but i don't know it's we can just roll with that i guess um i guess i can get
3: no come on like aang knew every (laughs) single air nomad at the time and had access to thousands of past lives like he can know that he can know this that, that's, that's fair funny. he can know
0: that the specific um vapor will do the trick will make bats explode from the ground thanks again yeah, it, it may
1: not it may not get rid of them but it will certainly <laughs> do something to the spirits
0: it will draw them out i guess yeah it'll
1: It we. it may not get rid of them but it'll definitely make them angry at least <laughs> perfect same thing
0: that's exactly what we wanted here Um, But yeah, so then we get a fun, I don't know, I like this sort of fight that we get between like, I don't know, it's like a cool sort of switch up. I feel like all the spirits have just been like big crocodiles, kind of, or like big lizards. And now this like little bat formation, it's like a fun switch up. It's very like um, video gamey, like you fight off the horde of bats as they fly at you sort of situation.
3: um, I I agree. I like seeing the bats, especially after last episode where we saw so many different kinds of spirits. It was good that we saw something that—I mean—they still had the same like um, aesthetic as the other evil spirits we've seen, but it was nice to see something that was like flying as opposed to this four-legged creature, like you're talking about.
0: Hmm. Yeah, it's I'm sadly no carrot man, um, no gay lemur, um, but maybe maybe in the future we'll see them pop up. Um. But uh, yeah, so we get the purple bats showing up. Um, And Korra shows. I just like
3: this, this just this happened before the scene, but just like when Ginora is initially starting to talk to people about having her abilities, I was like, Tenzin is being the least supportive father in the world. (laughs) It felt like where he was just like, (laughs) I don't believe you. And you could never know anything about the spirit world. So we're not going to do what you said.
1: Yeah, well, meanwhile, his dad was like going into the spirit world when he was 12. I mean, granted, he was the avatar, but still, like, he was like, you're just a kid, you don't know. And it's like, (laughs) okay, Aang was also a child, literally the same age.
3: Was Tenzin, like, pretending to have been to the spirit world? Like, everybody's shocked that he's never been there. And I don't know. Just it seems like he must have lied a lot at a certain point in his life to be like, oh, yeah, I've been there. Pema was like, you used to spend days in the temple meditating. And, like, was he, like, just like, oh, it was great. I had a great couple of days. Met up with dad. Uh, it was so fun. Yeah, that line was a little, I don't
0: know. I feel like there's a lot more to that line. That's a little uh, sketchy. Like, oh, she thought you were out at the temple for the whole day. Hmm. I wonder if there are any other airbender, little airbenders running around Republic city actually.
1: (laughs) Yeah, like what, where was Lynn at that time? Yeah, hold on.
0: (laughs) Guarding the air temple. Oh. Mm -hmm. Doing her nightly rounds as they call it. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, that was (laughs) really funny to think about. Yeah, I I, I like Tenzin and that he's like clearly a very like proud, prideful person. Um And I like this, that he, this is his struggles. that He's literally beefing with his like 11 year old daughter about like, no, you can't be cooler than I am. Um, which I think is like a very understandable emotion if you've like been raised to believe that you are the one hope for your entire people. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm glad that like Tenzin has kind of gone on these. Um, I didn't notice it until this episode, but it's like each child has had like a different sort of like bonding moment with Tenzin. Uh, throughout this book, we had Milo with the lemurs, we had Iki and the uh, air bison, and now we have um, Jinor and the spirits with him. So I, I love this sort of connected so thread. Um, which makes me sadder that, like, I don't know, like, why weren't we just, like, with them more? <laughs> like, with this group more? Um,
3: yeah.
0: But, yeah. But I've never, but I, wanted I didn't to notice
1: see that. the I... vacation. Hmm? Oh, I wanted to see the whole airbender vacation. Same.
3: <laughs> yeah. More of that. Same here. <laughs> I would have loved to see all of the kids bonding with both of their aunt and uncle also. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that's a good point with the with him bonding with Milo and then Iki and then Junora, because, I mean, we get we see him bond over the lemurs and we see them bond over the sky bison, which are the two animals we associate with the air nomads. And then we finally, like, also it's not like, because in those moments it's sort of like he's the master of those animals. Like, he understands how they work and, like, what's going on. And then in junora's story he's giving her fine he's like allowing her to like t- be above him in something um and like recognize her as like a master of something he has never had access to mm-hmm. yeah it's really cute
0: they're almost like humbling experiences for him um which i think is good for his character because i feel like a lot of the um sort of like disconnect between him and cora is that like he assumes that he knows best but so does she it's almost like they're like too similar like they both have a lot of pride and they both assume like they understand what is best for each situation so i love that both of them have gone through this separately these sort of like humbling experiences or for tenzin it's more i guess about like learning that you don't always have the answers or you didn't have like the best childhood or at least your siblings didn't like and not everything in your world is perfect Um, And so I I love that I'm like book two like has these like great sort of ideas that are very ethereal they're like there in a sense but they just don't get like bumped up as much as they should be so I'm glad that they can kind of come to a head here in this episode. Yeah,
3: Yeah, I mean, I think my take on the his relationships with his children are a little it's a little differently because I feel like I mean, I don't feel like they've all been humbling experiences but I feel like it's like checking in on how he views his three children and where they're at in their development, because in the Milo thing, I feel like I've noticed this in their plotline, where like it all went exactly according to how Tenzin said it would. Basically he was like, you need to do this, you need to do this. And then they'll like, listen to you. And like, this is how you train a lemur. Like this is what you have to do. And Milo learned that from his dad. And then in the Iki storyline, it was about him relating to Iki and how they both have gone through similar experiences and how like they're on the same level or like she's sort of becoming a real grown adult in their culture. And then with Ginora, it's like recognizing that she is excelling beyond where even he is. Mm -hmm. And he can learn from her.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. And also I think probably it's safe to say that like family is a very underlying theme of this season, especially because like we started, in the Southern Water Tribe with where Korra grew up. And it focuses on her relationship with like her dad, especially cause he's like framed for a crime he didn't commit, which is a very, <laughs> like common, happening. You know, a very common beat in this season. But, um, and then like his relationship with his brother, which gets touched on like then and then later. And then uh, like Kai and Bumi's relationship with Aang, which was touched on in like the fourth episode with that very adorable family picture at the end. That is mm-hmm. one of the best things to come out of this season. <laughs> um, love love me some throwbacks. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. like you guys were saying, like with Tenzin and his kids. And then also we see in this episode that Unalak is arguably the worst dad of the year because
0: yeah, he's I, terrible. That's like interesting. It's like finally Unalak is like an interesting character to me here um because he's like clearly someone who has just completely forgotten any sort of relationship with his children in favor of whatever the fuck he's doing um and literally doing like it's like not even in service of anything like smart he's like (laughs) their plan for opening the portal is literally we're just gonna like shoot water at it a
2: lot
3: right (laughs) um like he he's spirit he's a spirit bender like we've seen him mm -hmm. spirit bend things before maybe give that a go but he just, like, blasts <laughs> water and ice at it. To the point where his, like, torturous daughter is soured on him. Like, she no longer... Like, mm-hmm. how, could, how could you be so evil that, like, this girl who is, like, we've seen her be so sadistic be against you now? Yeah,
0: it's almost like... like it's an interesting sort of parallel to the Ozai Zuko Azula of it all. It's like, what if Azula and Zuko were at, like had a good relationship? Basically, is this storyline? Um, and I, I don't know. If that makes me appreciate it a little more. It feels like a little late, like a like to introduce that idea. Like Unalaq, like this whole idea of him having like not a good relationship with his children, like has never come up before this scene. Um, which is, I don't know, it's fine. It'd be fine if this were like a 20 episode season like Avatar got. But the fact that we're almost to the end of the season is like, I kind of wish I like had this sort of view of the villain before <laughs> episode nine of 12. Um, But I don't know. I still really like this scene. And I like that it's presumably setting up some sort of act, more conflict between him and his children.
1: Yeah. And then it also introduces the idea of, I guess, The caveat for my understanding is that if you enter the spirit world through a portal, since I guess you're still attached to your physical body and not your spirit, you have the ability to bend if you're still Mm -hmm. a bender. Or if you're still, if you are a bender.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah, I, uh, (laughs) it's weird because I'm, I feel like they like kind of regret establishing an avatar that you can't use your bending in the spirit world because it seems like it's like they just want to have these big battles anywhere but it's like they can't really in the spirit world so they have to come up with these like you said caveats of like well we're kind of in this weird limbo place and we kind of just walk through a door so it, we can still shoot water here i guess
1: yeah but then it like brings the question like what happens if you unfortunately die in the spirit world like your physical because when it's ang or korra or Jenora when they're meditating and they enter the spirit world through their spirit you know you have to protect the body um, mm-hmm. But then, like, what happens if your body, you know, if you meet your demise in the spirit oh, world and I don't know. I don't know. You we'll go never to know. Maybe super
0: spirit world.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Ultimate <Actually>. spirit world.
0: <laughs> super hell or whatever. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
3: We've never, I mean, it doesn't even seem at this point in the lore, like, I don't think that we even think of the spirit world as a connection to. Death. If I'm remembering correctly, like I don't think we've seen any, like when Ang or someone has gone into the spirit world in the past. Like I don't feel like they see dead people. Well, see, like, he, he saw Roku, but it's like you could
0: just think, well, then he's like, I don't know, maybe that's just an avatar thing. Um, yeah, like you said, it's like not really represented as like an afterlife, basically.
1: Well, and that may be addressed in a very hmm. soon episode <laughs> who knows i don't, I don't who knows well, I mean, who they're going on an
3: adventure in the spirit world so we'll see
1: who will we meet who could it be <laughs> who could it be i don't know
3: who knows um but That's i like right. what you were saying it's before Jack. about uh there the parallels to zuko I, zuko ozai and azula like this is a vision of what would have happened if azula cared about zuko after zuko's duel with ozai like where she views the aggressor and the adult in the relationship as the one at fault as opposed to her brother is an idiot yeah what a what a
0: concept <laughs> it's kind of a you know it's a stretch I get why it took the world 80 years to get to that perspective but um, we're finally there um, I'm sure it also helps that like they are literally identical twins so I, I don't know yeah, maybe you're really more like... likely to send sim- what what's that
1: no, I, you're right. There's no, like, power difference between them. Because mm. even with, like, um, Aman and his brother in season one, like, they were... It, there was a difference in age. So, like, right. naturally... It's usually... It seems like... I guess besides Zuko and Azula, because he was older, but less uh, refined, because um, uh-huh. he couldn't lightning bend. He had or- lame-ass orange fire. <laughs> but, like, the fact that they're twins, maybe they have, like, similar power dynamics, so it's easier mm. for them to... Bond? I don't
0: know. Yeah. I mean, I was just gonna say that it's probably easier to sympathize with someone who's just as hot as you are, but that all that all makes more sense, I think. Yes, that too.
1: <laughs>
0: we see each other. Um,
1: yes. <laughs> um,
0: but yeah, so uh I like like we said, and it's a great sort of a contrast to Tenzin, like we said, like Tenzin learning to um even though he's resistant at first to let Jenora sort of take the lead here, he eventually is like willing to learn from Janora and listen to her. Um whereas Unalak is too busy just, like, throwing icicles at a spirit portal. Um, But we learn here that he's, like, uh, it's kind of the big reveal of the episode, I guess. But he's working directly with Vatu. Like, he speaks to him.
3: Um, Gagatrandra. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I like this, um, seeing Unalak be bad at teaching, specifically because, like, Korra and Tenzin's conflict or, like, resolution in this episode was about Tenzin feeling insecure about Korra choosing Unalak over Tenzin. And so now we like we see, at the same time, Tenzin is like actively helping her try to achieve her goals, while we also are seeing Unalak fail at doing something that is directly opposed to what Korra wants to have happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: it's a sleigh, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I don't know, any other... Thoughts on this episode on any of these uh, characters? Um, I love, like I said before, I love that we're getting more Boomy and Kaya. I hope we get to see more of them in the future. Um, I
3: I have more thoughts. Yes, I Mm -hmm. like seeing. I mean, with the bat conflict, uh, I liked that Mm -hmm. Korra was now able to spirit Mm -hmm. bend successfully. We have we've seen her try in the past before, Um, and so now with like under, I don't know, like what I don't know what ultimately we're supposed to take away from beginnings part one and two but i guess corin knows who she is now or whatever uh and spirit bend i think i guess it's probably related somewhat to energy bending where like it was all about mastering yourself and understanding yourself in order to be able to influence others spirits and energies um and so now that she remembers who she is as an avatar or whatever she can spirit bend successfully but i like i like seeing that she's able to do it now
2: Mm
0: -hmm. agreed yeah i mean like that once again <laughs> makes me curious. Like, we never, we have no idea where unalog learned that. I guess maybe from Vatu, but like, how did he get into contact with Vatu? <laughs> it's like I don't know. I have so many questions about like Unalak's entire backstory. Um, I really hope there's a there's an episode that addresses it. And if there wouldn't be, that would be pretty shitty. Um, but <laughs> I guess we'll find out. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I like that moment too. Cora's um, power ups, like you said, see, feel very like emotion based. Whereas I feel like an Avatar is more like, we would get like this sort of lesson in the episode that would like help our characters, but also is more so about just like learning the thing. Whereas it's like, we never see Cora like learn like, okay, you have to do this exact motion. Um, it's much more about like, okay, I've, I'm at a place mentally now where I can just do this thing now. Um, which is, a, it's an interesting contrast to, I don't know, the last series in that sense.
1: Yeah. And I think yeah. it may also be because, oh, I'm sorry, Sam. No, go. <laughs> well, it's be, it might be because, like, Aang, if we're comparing them, that Aang is, uh, was a more, like, spiritual person. Mm-hmm. Like, it seems that he really understood the connection between the elements. And so once he learned, like, Earth was obviously the hardest one for him to learn, Earth and Fire. Um, but once he, like, got past the initial block of it, he seemed to pick it up very quickly, whereas Korra seems to really grasp the physical element of all the elements, or (laughs) the physical element of the elements, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, but the physical element of bending. So, like, she picked up, like, water and earth and fire very easily, but because air is the most spiritual of all of them, she kind of struggled with that, and so I think it's maybe to remind us that, like, not everything was solved in season one just because she learned mm-hmm. airbending but there's more to your spirituality than just like what's on the surface and what you can do but it's more about like you know your soul your spirit mm-hmm. and i think it's nice actually that we finally understand what or have more of a privy to what the avatar actually is because mm-hmm. no one really questioned it in the fir- in the first series they're just kind of like yeah glows. One bad it? <laughs> mm-hmm. like he has this insane power <laughs> mm-hmm. and but like now we have sort of this peak behind the curtain that you know the avatar is two entities brought together and then like that is why you know the person is the bridge and uh you know i kind of like it i like the exploration of the spiritualness of avatar
0: same yeah i love that janora like like you said even in universe people just don't know this like janora's like wow i had no idea that like there it's it comes from like a spirit that's inside you um and we learned that she's like kind of like an avatar nerd which makes me sad that we don't get to hear like about more avatars from her like i'd love a whole episode of her giving us the rundown of all the avatars she knows but um again we will be getting this
3: <laughs> shortly who knows
0: when from avatar cool. studios
3: yeah i like that she's i mean yeah hopefully jinora has a chance to show off they run it they she hopefully takes a picture of some avatar in the spirit world in their next adventure um but <laughs> I, I, going back to what we were talking about with um ang and katara or ang and Korra's separate styles or like. Aang learned these lessons from people and be, like learned like how to do something the the way that other people do it. But Korra, we've always known does things her way. That's like one of her lines. Like her first line is like, "I'm the Avatar. You have to deal with it." And I feel like it really speaks to their upbringing and their childhood, where we know that Aang visited like basically every nation before he even learned that he was the Avatar. And I feel like he had grew a large appreciation for all of the different cultures of the world. Where Korra, the first time she ever leaves the like Avatar compound is in the first two episodes to go to Republic City. And really, so far, all we've seen her do is go from the South Pole in the Avatar compound to Republic City and now back to the South Pole and then like back to Republic City. So she still doesn't have almost any understanding of what the individual nations and worlds are like outside of these places the one where she like every single person who even saw her was probably vetted and like a very specific person who had a very high like clearance level and then this like massive mishmash of all of the different cultures that's really only sprung up in the past probably 60 to 50 years so like and that's like a whole culture unto itself where people are mixing and matching like all these different people all these people coming together so Cora like doesn't have the cultural backing or like doesn't need it seemingly to do things she just has to understand the concept of it and then she'll do it her own way which is something we also see when she starts airbending but she's using firebending moves because that's just like what she understands and that's what's best for her she like loves to use firebending so I think that that makes sense from like the perspective of Derek what you were saying where she all like we need to like it's more about like the feeling and the emotion and like getting to a, like a place with yourself and like your journey where you can do these things with, and not like learning from somebody else
0: mm-hmm. which yeah I, li- I like that that's that's like part of what makes her so different I feel like it's so easy to just look at the surface level differences between her and Aang um, and like the emotional differences, but I like to also think about like, how do these characters learn um, or how do these characters grow in ways that are different from one another? Um, and that's what I think makes, for all its flaws, it makes Korra like an, a great sort of successor to Avatar because it's it's something completely new, um, even though it's it's playing on something very familiar, it still feels like a new idea and a new sort of approach to storytelling. That, it, you know, doesn't always work, but, um. <laughs> it's it's when it works, it's it works, um, and I'm excited to get to the part of the show where it does really work consistently.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I thought it was really nice that well, and we touched on this earlier that there the Eastern Air Temple, so that was where, as we all know, in the end of season two in Avatar, where Aang meets with Guru Pati and he tries to get in touch with his avatar state and he fails ultimately yeah. because he has his you know crisis of. I guess not crisis of faith, but crisis of humanity because he doesn't want to completely let go of all his earthly attachments. Whereas kind of on the flip side, it's more about Cora trying and ultimately succeeding on her spiritual journey of like finally entering the spirit world, which I think is nice. I think it's all these kind of underlying ties run together and all these important, like it's kind of, I feel like the one thing that the Avatar universe does fairly well is the the fi, fi, ugh, fine line between like fan service and just actual storytelling. Like, mm-hmm. it's not that they put us in this, you know, location just so we could like point and look and be like, oh, look, that's where the thing happened 70 years <laughs> ago, but it had like actual storytelling merits to it. And it, you know, it like the connections that lie underneath were there and made Absolutely. sense and I you know yeah I agree I think that when it works it works and when it doesn't it does it and, yeah. <laughs> and we'll say we when it doesn't it work some more <laughs> yeah
0: um and I love that because it's like um obviously it's about Core wanting to get into the spirit world but like as we're going around these places and they like feel very similar to um like they're obviously like new locations but I believe there is one location it's like the giant statue of the airbender woman is like something we saw Aang and Guru Patik in front of when they were unlocking one of his uh, chakras.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but otherwise there's more so about like Tenzin going on a journey and, and failing like Aang did, but also Janora like going on a journey and succeeding in a way that Aang didn't get to. Like I love, it's like parallels on parallels. Everyone's like doing their own thing and it like either contrasts or like lines up with what Aang was doing or diverts in a fun, interesting way. Um, all without like they mention his name once, and it's like just like a passing reference, like oh, I learned this from Dad. Like it's not just like remember, like you said, it's not like poking you, like hey, remember when Aang did this? Remember when we drank onion banana juice up here? Like that's not what this episode's about. It's about these other characters' journeys. Yes, we
3: live.
1: Yeah, <laughs> we
3: love a parallel. Yes, we, oh, we <laughs> love a parallel. <laughs> 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 um, i I like that this episode also gave us kaya's line of um she said something like stop being so stubborn this isn't your destiny like which i Mm -hmm. think is something that we haven't really seen much in this universe or where or like i guess we have with zuko where like we he thought his destiny was one thing and like ultimately realized it was something else but like kaya is like directly talking to this where she's just like look like you just have to understand that this Tenzin, this isn't your place. Like, Jinora is the one who's supposed to guide the avatar in the spirit world. Like, just understand that and accept that you don't have this skill set and your daughter does. So just, like, get out of the way. Uh, and I think that it's a great, aggressive take on, like, destiny, which is just a different way from how Iroh was uh, approaching things.
0: Right. It, it did remind me of Iro in that he talked about how it wasn't his destiny to take down his brother. That was Zuko's destiny. Like, that was. A sort of similar idea, but for, like you said, for Kai, it's more so about like, check, like keeping Tenzin's ego in check. Like, hey, dude, like, this isn't your time to shine. Like, you've done like, I think that's something they don't really talk about in this episode. Um, but like, he's already like he literally has already taught core airbending. Like, that's he's already succeeded where he was like in quotes supposed to, and now he just thinks he has to keep succeeding in um in every kind of way. And so it's nice to see um this mentor character. Um, learn to learn from someone and learn to like step back in a way that we never saw the mentors of Avatar have to ever do really unless they were like um, like a, like around Aang's age then of course obviously they were going on their own sort of learning journey but never like any of the older characters they're all pretty fully formed people um, so it's nice to get that um, story which speaks we've talked about this in book one but like core just feels more grown up in so many ways and that's just one of them.
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs>
2: totally
1: oh, one thing I also forgot to touch on mm-hmm. um because we kind of talked about them a little bit more in the beginning but uh love that we kind of got a little sinister Varric moment.
2: Mm-hmm. I
1: love me a fake, but also I mean he is a real big he's not the big bad, but he is a bad. He's a baddie in this. <laughs> a little season. bad. He he's a little, a little baddie. baddie.
3: And yeah. uh, I, I just I just I wanted def-
1: to appreciate it. Mm-hmm, Me too. Absolutely. I was
3: definitely gonna ask if we had any more thoughts on the Bolin Asami Mako story, like, because we really only talked about how bad it is. Yeah. But I really, yeah. I, I, I honestly, I mean, I. This, I mean, it was the least exciting part of the episode, that's for sure. But I still felt like it was strong. Um, and I definitely know what you're talking about with the Varric scene, where he's like threatening Asami and Bolin and trying to get Mako to like drop it or whatever, like, it was just such a different view of him. I mean, we had him spin around in that chair at the end of that episode a couple of weeks ago, but, like, this is, like, him very directly being like, if you do anything to get in the way of my plan, I will kill your brother and your girlfriend.
0: <laughs> um, but I also love that he's so good at, like, you could almost be convinced, like, maybe he genuinely is, like, were like, like oh, I hope nothing yeah. happens. Like, it's, like, he's, so, like, the, he's a really fun villain and that you can't tell how smart or how stupid he is at any given moment um and it like all just depends on like whatever i i don't know it's just he's a really fun sort of character to introduce it's like i wish his storyline felt more um vital (laughs) to the show um but i do love that scene of him like burning his foot fungus on the coals Um, and i also love later when mako gets framed uh, you referenced this in the intro, Sam, but when the cops are, like, his, like, co-workers are so against him, and they're, like, once a triple threat, always a triple threat, it's, like, this is the kind of stuff that should be incorporated more into Mako and Boleyn's story, um, which is something we talked about in book one as well, where it's, like, they literally came up, like, homeless. They were homeless and, like, impoverished for most of their lives. Um... Presumably, still are to some degree, unless, like, Avatar perks kicked in at some point.
3: Um, well, Bolin but, like, is rich from being in the movers.
0: Oh, yes. And I guess Mako makes a lot, as a, or a decent amount as a cop. I don't know. Um, rich girlfriend also probably helps. But, um, yeah, so it's, like, it's just, like, it's something that, like, doesn't get talked about enough. And it's, like, such a compelling part of their character where, like, they have this background and it still is, like, haunting them. Like, Mako can be the most upright like doing the right thing person but he's still seen as lesser by other people because he didn't grow up the way that he was supposed to um and i it's like just such a little throwaway line i'm like this should be what the story is about for him (laughs)
1: like
0: more of this please
1: yeah they had it like really set up like in the first season where that you're right like there's a lot of uh underlying classism struggles because like they were still poor they just lived where they worked because it was a deal like mm-hmm. it wasn't anything other than that they weren't rich they didn't own the arena like they were just had a deal that they would have a roof over their heads if they would you know fight mm-hmm. um and then there was the touches of it with uh asami's dad um where he like was very against her dating a firebender and not only because he was, well not, it was only because he was a firebender, but like there was the hidden potential that that could have been, he was a firebender, but also he was poor. Like Mm -hmm. he just grew up on the streets. And I feel like they disappointingly kind of got rid of all that potential and just put like Mako in the box of cop and Bolin in the box of stupid himbo movie star. (laughs) And like, that's kind of where their characters are now, which is a little mm-hmm. bit disappointing. Like, there's it no real nuance to them, at least in this season, and at least where we are right now. Yeah, it's So that they are just these guys. <laughs> <laughs>
0: just just some dudes.
1: Just some dudes. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, and it's weird, because it's, like, obviously they're from a family that's, like, both, fi- like, obviously a firebender and an earthbender, like, as parents. Um, and, like, obviously I don't want the show to get into, like, heavy-handed, like, like magical racism I don't know cuz that never is like like fun to, like to watch white people try to talk about through like the experiences of fictional magic but it's still like I don't know it would be interesting to hear like cuz the fire nation like tried to burn the earth kingdom to the ground and like held it captive for the last 100 years before this like surely there's so, so there's people out there who like feel some type of way about seeing a firebender and an earthbender being a brother but i, I, I don't that's like probably just too much world building to have to do in f- four seasons of a show but i, I can help. Yeah. it'd be nice
3: that feels like something we talked about a couple times in book one of korra where it felt like all of the backstory villains who like attacked people were firebenders like the mm-hmm. like mako's parents were killed by a firebender asami's mom was killed by a firebender and um Amon lied about like having a firebender attack him in the past, and so like it just it feels like there's something they're trying to play with there. Where like I don't like these people have become like they're like I don't I don't know they like it. It feels like the Amon thing specifically is like playing on people's fear of a specific type of Mm bender, but they don't talk about it in that way, um which is too bad. And yeah, I think that like I it's something you guys are talking about like I. I like Bolin and Mako as character concepts, but I just, like, am so confused at how this plotline with Varric, like, even connects to what's going on <laughs> in the rest of the story. Like, I'm, like, I'm, a, I'm already confused, I'm, like, confused. I didn't am remember that the ship they were investigating were even Varric's, like, I don't understand what's like, why this is taking up so much time on the show. And it's not even that big of a part of it. But I'm like, this is what these characters are doing right now? Like, what? Well, like,
0: Chorus worried about the literal, like, spiritual well-being of the entire
3: world. Yeah. Like, I just feel (laughs) like it has to be one or the other, where these people who are supposedly Team Avatar should be, like, with her, like, helping her stop global extermination or Korra should ha- be having to deal with street level crime like it shouldn't be like both at the same time, especially when I'm not even sure what like, okay, Asami's business is going like under but I'm like, we've never cared about that until like she started going <laughs> poor. so I'm sort of like, where where is this going? Um, I mean, I guess I'm excited to see how they connect or if they connect in the next couple episodes agreed yeah Yeah. and then
1: we still got a civil war going on oh yeah which i feel like they may have just bitten off more than they could chew with like the introduction of the season they were like okay we're gonna have north versus south and then we're gonna have spirits versus non-spirits and then we're gonna have crime (laughs) (laughs) other crime (laughs) and they were like hmm Maybe we and, shouldn't split that the team avatar should, up. <laughs>
0: yeah. And a huge two episode lower dump. Like you yeah. <laughs> really wanted to put everything in this book. Um, which is fine. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah. Um any other thoughts on this um episode nine? Um Rachel, any in, um how have you been feeling about the book so far? Did have you did you like watch or did you just watch this episode and prep for um talking to us?
1: i did just watch this episode Mm -hmm. but i have been uh re-watching slash listening to the first season of avatar Mm. um which is not exactly the same thing (laughs) as Mm -hmm. watching the lead up to this but i did i have watched season two Korra, enough um Mm -hmm. that i did when the little our favorite announcer guy gave us the run through at the beginning of the episode of what was going on. I was like, oh yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I, it is though, I did have to keep reminding myself, like I just mentioned that there was the civil war in the beginning mm-hmm. of this, that is still question mark ongoing, I guess. I guess. <laughs> yeah, like, I, it, it's just, I mean... yeah, it's just hard. It's um hard. Because the season is obviously not a fan favorite. Uh, dare I say probably the weakest uh, perceived season of Korra. Um, mm-hmm. And it's probably because of, like, all of this, like, s- like separated Team Avatar, one, and two, like, too many things. Like, and then they, I feel like they touch on this more in, like, the comics. Not Legend of Korra specifically, but, like, the Avatar comic universe of, like, Civil War aspects between nations and stuff like that. So I feel like it's just, I don't want to say it's disappointing. Avatar rarely ever truly disappoints me. But, like, the concept of North versus South is very good and very cool. And Mm -hmm. I just wish it would have had its own spotlight either, like, not in this season, but, like, you know, don't bring it up if you're not going to, like, fully commit to it agreed Um, because i do appreciate again the spirits in this season but uh, you know it's just hard to refocus on that when we also have so much going on in the background
2: Mm -hmm.
1: the world is in turmoil
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i agree and i it's like i know they wanted to show more of the world like what what are the water tribes even like right now um i get that but it's like like you said we don't have to introduce the civil war of it all like we can just be in the southern water. Like we can just be at the poles. Like that can those can just be important locations in the story. We don't need all this other gobbledygook about like the politics of it. Of it's just like, yeah, they just didn't have they they literally their eyes were too big for their stomachs and they just like can't literally tell the entire story. Um,
1: Yeah, in 18, no, less than 18, how many episodes, episodes. in 12 episodes, no less, (laughs) like,
0: and two of those are fully dedicated to back like a backstory of a character we had never heard of before. (laughs) Like, (laughs) so it's, yeah, you're working with 10 episodes of having to tell this. Um, Yeah. Tough, tough decision in the writer's room there. Um, But, you know, I'm, like Sam said, I'm excited to get to these last few episodes. I'm, um, even though Book 2 is easily my least favorite uh, season of the entire, like, franchise, I still do have a lot of stuff I'm looking forward to talking about in these last few episodes of the season.
3: I think that there's, like, I think there's 14 total episodes. half hours of this season but it, you oh, know are that's they? neither here nor there um oh i was
0: thinking of book one then i think
3: i yeah no i'm excited uh i haven't i have no other thoughts on this episode i feel like we really uh extrapolated upon it i <laughs> i had a great time discussing it i'm real. i'm back to being excited about cora like i <laughs> this episode was like i was just like in shock that i was like Captivated by the relationships and like in <laughs> and, and, like liked where the plot was heading. I was like, I was like, we went through some darkness these past twenty episodes of the show, but uh, we're here and it's it's turning out good. Mm-hmm. We're thriving now, baby. It's yeah. happening.
1: I think it's setting us up for like the end of the end of season two, and then I think season three where things start. You know, we really getting <laughs> back into our own and. Uh, it's exciting, it's exciting times. I did notice there wasn't a lot of bending in this episode because I was gonna think of a bending moment to talk about which oh. I think the coolest one which we already discussed was Cora, spirit bending the bats is what I thought because it was like one of three bending moments in yeah. the episode. <laughs> it's um. like
0: that or like, water spout right but like (laughs) i
1: didn't really care that there wasn't a lot of bending like i did appreciate the you know the humanness of it all minus the cop (laughs) storyline i think a lot of the greatest
3: moments in avatar have nothing to do with bending so like i think that that was a real strength of this episode
1: yeah
0: absolutely um yeah, I like you said. I feel like this is we're on the opposite trajectory. Of book one, we're book one. We start out with a lot of promise, and a lot of fun, and then just like becomes per, like I don't know. At this point, Sam was like ready to quit watching. Um, but now we're on the upswing. We've we've reached the edge of the valley of end of book one, beginning of book two, of course, and we're ready. Like you said, we've got lots of momentum, mo mo momentum. If we're gonna, you know, bring in. Momo for some reason <laughs> but uh, yeah any, is, is, does that conclude our thoughts on episode
3: 9 The Guide definitely Rachel where can yeah. people find you what are you trying to push
1: Um, I am most active right now on Twitter which is at just underscore Hobbs um, I am not doing as much right now because I do unfortunately have a job um, cannot <laughs> be it. On Twitter as often as I would like, for better or for worse. Um, but yeah, I tell some funny jokes on there sometimes. Maybe I'll be funny again. We'll never know. <laughs> but right now, I'm just trying to live my life <laughs> and tweet sometimes. Hmm. And that's it. <laughs> I love that. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> uh,
0: well, you can find me at derricks on Twitter. Um, you can follow me um, on my other podcast with our good friend, Christine, Christine Palin. Um, at Shadowplay Gaze is our Twitter. We talk about the 1997 anime Revolutionary Girl Utsuna. We are almost at the end of that show, which is wild to think about. Um, and we'll be answering f- listener questions
3: next week.
0: Not this episode, but the one after. Um, but yeah, you can follow me on either of those places.
3: Um, I'm at Sam Standish on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can follow this podcast at Bitterdurst Pod on Instagram and Twitter. The season 42 Survivor Cast came out today, so I'm sure we'll yeah. be chatting about them soon um i'm I, it'll probably come out after this episode comes out but mm-hmm. it'll be soon um uh, so i'm looking forward to that too same stan marion yeah. stan you know all 18 of these new dummies uh excited <laughs> about it me
0: too stan survivor um yeah thank you rachel again so much for joining us uh oh, can't wait to get you on a good season of uh cora i feel like <laughs> i keep saying that to everyone who comes on uh, but yes, thank you. And thank you all for listening.
1: Of course. Thank you for having okay. me.
2: Yeah. Bye. Bye.
0: Bye.